Thanks for joining us for this message from Awakened Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you're encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from God's Word together. Um, We're going to continue this series that we've been in called Wonderful Time of the Year. It's our Christmas series. It's a time of the year that's supposed to be joyful. It's supposed to be exciting. It's supposed to be um, life-giving, wonderful. It's full of wonder. That's what we are trying to drive and pull out of this season. And today, what we're going to do is focus on a portion of the Christmas story. Probably all of us have heard before. Um, We're going to jump into a portion of it in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. So you can start turning there so you're, you're ready to go when we begin to read. And while I was prepping this, while I was preparing and studying these verses, um, I was reminded of a moment that happened in my life. And I want to share it with you guys. I think it'll give you guys an interesting perspective once we actually begin reading. Um, I used to live in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, I spent a lot of time, my life there. Yeah, Phoenix is a pretty awesome place. Um, I, I lived there, and when I was there, I used to go to the skate park all the time with my friends. And one night, it was real late in the evening, we're driving to the skate park. It's very dark out. Um, and the, the road that we had to take to get to the skate park meant that we were, had to drive through some like desert fields, like outside of the actual city. And it was very dark out there other than the other cars on the road. And then as we're driving, I'm looking out the window and I'm just kind of, you know, having a good time. And I stare over at the mountain range. I can see them silhouetted in, this, in the sky. And I see over the top of the mountain, this little like glimmer of light kind of shaking and it's moving this little speck continues to fly across, and I'm like, that's interesting. Is that a comet? That's kind of cool. And I'm staring at it, but it's going for a weirdly long amount of time, and I keep looking at it, and I bring it up to my friend. I'm like, hey, what is that? Do you see that? Almost as soon as I say that, that little speck of light erupts into like the most bright light you've ever seen in your life, so much so that the entire mountainside is completely illuminated like it's day. The entire fields that we're driving through, you can see all the cactuses in them. You can see all the scrub brush. It's, it's just like it's daylight, except for it's just this crazy light is that, that's illuminating it. And me and my friends start panicking because we're like, that is not normal at all. You don't see this every day. This is not supposed to be happening. And we want to like run away because are we going to die? But also we want to keep looking at it because it's so incredible to see. It's a wonder to our eyes. And we're watching this and Eventually, as we're staring at it, we're not getting injured, so we keep watching, and we see this weird blue swirling, just this rotating in the sky. It almost looks like an aurora, but it's just a little bit smaller, and it's rotating down, and then that small speck grows up, becomes like this saucer, a a large saucer we see, just a pure white light just pouring out of it. It looks like a portal in the sky, and we're like, what is that thing? Eventually, it fades. It's gone, and me and my friend are like, we got to get an answer to what this was that we just saw. And I went on a hunt, um, and I figured out what that was. I found out there's a bunch of people who are also wondering what it was. Um, it was a rocket being launched in California. That's what we saw. Um, and those weird blue swirls were the boosters falling off of it and falling back into the atmosphere and burning up in the sky. And it was shocking to me and my friend at how bright that could be. It was like really just a moment of wonder for me and him to notice that and to witness it. And the reason why I wanted to share that with you is because we're going to read about some shepherds right now. That's where we're going to be jumping in, this moment with some shepherds. And for them, they're going to be in a similar state of wonder. But it's not because of a rocket. Um, They're going to be captivated by the wonder of the king 
And that's what the title of today's message will be, The Wonder of the King. And what we're going to do is we're looking at the birth of Jesus, this announcement of the birth of Jesus as well. And this is the grand entrance of the King of Kings into our world. That's what's happening here. That should be an amazing thing and a very incredible thing. But we tend over the years to begin to get accustomed to it, to begin to get a little numb to this. And we start to miss a lot of what makes this truly amazing. So what I want us to do today is we're going to read through these verses, verses 8 through 20. And I'm just going to break them down. I'm going to bring some light to them. So we're going to go through it all together. And then at the end, I'm going to have three things for us to have as takeaways from this that we can learn um, about the wonder of the king. So let's go ahead and jump in. We're going to read verses 8 through 14 first. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. All right. So we're going to stop right here for just a minute because I want us to understand this scene a little bit. It's really tempting to read that. Like I said, if over the years, it's tempting to read this in a very gentle, soft tone. Um, are you guys familiar with the song, The First Noel? Let me see, just raise your hands if you know that song. Yeah, pretty much every, we've heard it a lot. So the first Noel, the angels did say. Very lullaby-ish. Not like that. This moment that we're reading wasn't like that song at all, okay? Very different. And I want us to understand, picture this scene in your head, okay? This is the shepherds. The shepherds are out in the field, sitting probably together, the sheep, it's at nighttime, they're huddled together. That's what sheep do. They try to stay warm. They're all bundled up, big group of them. It's dark. You see the night sky. And then out of nowhere, there is an eruption of light. And then a living being steps out of nothingness and begins to speak to you. That would shock you to the point of you're crapping your pants at that point. All right? Let's just be honest. You're going to be terrified. The whole entire hillside is going to be illuminated by this light that shone around them, the glory of God. And they are witnessing this. They want to turn and run. It says that they were filled with fear. And that's what that, that term means. Like literally so scared you want to turn away and, and sprint away because you're scared of dying. That's how these shepherds feel. And then the angel speaks to them. He says, hey, do not fear. I'm bringing you guys good news. And they stick around. And then right after that, it says that the heavenly hosts came. And that word, heavenly host, or those two words coming together, that means an angelic band of soldiers. So what happens is this guy steps out of this extraordinary explosion of light, begins to speak. Then you see tons of angelic soldiers stepping into the existence, and then they begin chanting and praising God. This is a very loud, very intense moment. This would have been a spectacular sight to see. And if you're these shepherds, if you're in that moment, 
I think the way you would have felt is a little bit out of place. Um, have any of you guys ever accidentally walked into the wrong restroom? You know that feeling you get when you're like, I'm not supposed to be here. I made the wrong decision. Something is, is right, not right. I need to get out of here right now. I feel super weird. That's kind of in the direction that the shepherds probably would have felt. This feeling of, I don't belong here. I, I don't think that this is for me. This moment that they're experiencing, this incredible display of power from God of the, at the announcement of the birth of Jesus. For these shepherds, they're going to be like, I think you got the wrong people. Maybe you're looking for the religious dudes in Jerusalem. Think that's maybe who you should be talking to. But I, th- I don't think this is for us. That's how they would initially feel. But I think there's a reason for why the angels spoke to these shepherds first. I want you guys to understand the shepherds a little bit deeper. Shepherds typically were very poor. They didn't have a lot. Shepherds were not looked well on. People didn't think highly of them. They they were very low in society. Um, Shepherds, because they lived out in the fields with the sheep, that meant that they weren't able to observe certain traditions and certain ceremonies that the people in Jerusalem and um, who followed um, God and all their different traditions did. So they looked down on them. They thought that they were not very honorable people. So they didn't have a good view in the public eye. But the reason why these guys are chosen is because of their flock. I want to explain this a little bit. Their flock of sheep is not just any ordinary flock. Um, This is not just your average farmer who they're going to shear that that wool and and take it to to use it. These sheep in their flock are going to be set apart for the Passover sacrifices. And this is super interesting because that means that the use of these sheep, the connection that these shepherds have about what these sheep are for is going to be a little different. So when they hear this message, they're going to perceive things a little different. I want you guys to understand Passover. I'm going to go over it really quick. Passover is just a celebration um, of when God passed over Egypt and he, in that last plague, the 10th plague, he killed all of the firstborn. But for those who obeyed God, who obeyed the Passover things that were given to them, um, that they were told to do, they would be passed over and spared. The judgment would not be given to them. And it's really interesting because the way that Passover works is you'd kill this lamb, it would be slaughtered. You'd have to take the blood of that lamb, put it on your doorpost. Then you'd have to eat the lamb after it was cooked. Whatever was left, you'd burn. Then you'd put your sandals on and get ready because at some point you're going to be freed. That's what Passover was a celebration of. That's what they still did. They observed those similar ceremonies and that was a similar tradition going forward to remember it. So for these shepherds in that field, who have that all in mind, and then they're hearing this message about the the birth of Jesus, they're going to think of Jesus in a little bit different of a light because they understand who the King of Kings is and what he's coming to do. So I want us to kind of understand that too. I want to connect the Passover to Jesus's birth, okay? The same mentality. Jesus, the Savior King, would be killed. His blood would be shed on the cross to cover you so that the Lord's judgment would pass over us. We would not be judged We wouldn't experience death and separation from God, but instead we would be freed from sin and bondage. It's very connected. And these shepherds would have understood that. They would have seen the parallels there. And I think it's really interesting when we get into that because you look at Jesus's life. 
You look at John 1.29, when Jesus is beginning his ministry, he walks out, John the Baptist sees him, and he says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is something that God knew all along was going to happen, and that's why I think these shepherds get selected for this incredible moment. So these shepherds, they have this moment where they hear the message. They're shocked at first, terrified, this incredible explosion of light, the worship that the angels give. Then the angels eventually depart. And then the shepherd's like, well, we got to go find out if this is true. We got to go hunt down this child who's in that manger. And that's what they do. So let's go ahead and read verses 15 and 16. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Okay. Now again, if you've heard the Christmas story many times, you have imagery in your mind of what this looked like. Because we think of the nativity scene. We think of what this looks like. And probably when we hear that, we think of, oh, Mary and Joseph looking for the inn. Or kind of like what I did in my, my uh, Christmas plays as a kid, acting it out. We walk up to the door and knock and nobody answers. Oh, I can't go there. And they find themselves out in this sort of like barn and it's very serene and peaceful and the stars are up in the sky and the animals are separated out and it's quiet and calm. That's sort of what we envision when we think of the nativity, when we think of the birth of Jesus. Again, it's not like that. It's nothing like that. Um, the, and the animals are there, and the situation is similar. Some of the scenery is, is similar, but, but it's not that. And I want to give you guys a more realistic image of what this is that we're reading about, what the shepherds would have wandered in on. So in verse 7, where we didn't read it. It was right before. You can read it now on your own. But it said that Mary and Joseph are looking for a place to stay, um, but they wind up having Jesus because there was no room at the inn. That word inn means guest room. And that gives us a hint as to what this would have looked like, where they were, and what, what the scenery was. So I want to give you kind of an idea of what these buildings looked like so you can have a picture of it and see this more clearly. Um, what this would have been is a small building about the size of one-third of a double-wide trailer. That's how large they are, typically. That's the average size of these buildings. There were larger ones, but not typically. So that's about how big it is. What, what it would look like is there'd be a fairly decent-sized door, like gate. It's all covered inside. You'd walk in, and it'd be a courtyard space, all dirt, sometimes stone. If they had that available, they would put stone down. On the side, you'd have a gated area where you'd put some livestock. They would come in at night, so they're warm. No one's going to steal them. They're protected. On the other side, you'd usually use that for storage. There'd just be a bunch of random stuff that would be put there from time to time. In the middle, there'd be like a cistern or a large jug for water, so they had access to water when they needed it. And then on the side of the wall, there would have been a ladder, and there would have been like a loft space above this. And that loft space was typically divided into three sections, a living space, a guest room, and then a bedding space for the people who always live there. In, in times of high traffic, sometimes these buildings would just be used solely for people to stay in. So all of those spaces would be used for, for people, just strangers. So when Mary and Joseph are looking for a place to, to stay, 
It says that there's no room in the guest room. This is them walking from building to building, peeking in, seeing it's full of people. Hey, is there any way we could stay up there? No, we're not, we're not, we're not giving up this space. And they're looking frantically place to place. Mary is in labor. This baby is going to come when he, when he comes, all right? They don't have a choice on when that moment's going to happen. So you can picture them wandering from these places, desperately looking for a place that's safe for them to get into. They wind up in one of these buildings. People are like, no, it's, it's occupied. You can't be here. And then time for the baby to come out. That's it. And this baby winds up being born and put in the manger. And the manger is a trough for feeding livestock. That's where this happens. This would have been a very chaotic scene. And what I want us to understand about that is this is not a clean, well-put-together hotel lobby. This is not anybody, um, a receptionist at, at a desk that they can walk up to. Hey, you got any rooms here? Hey, can you point me in a direction that we might be able to go? None of that's happening. This is, would be a really hard, honestly, somewhat embarrassing and also a nightmare scenario if you're Mary. The only equivalent that we can kind of put it in perspective is imagine if you suddenly had to give birth in the food court at a mall. That's kind of the way that this would have felt for her. Jesus gets born, gets put in this manger with a bunch of dusty strangers' feet sitting above them in this loft. That's the scene that the shepherds wander into. That's what it would have looked like. So that's not a quiet, private birth in, in any way. So that, that's, that's that. And I want us to go continue this further. We're going to read verses 17 through 20 now. We're going to see what happens once they actually get there. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Okay. So the shepherds show up to this scene. They walk through this gate. You can kind of envision them hunting for where Jesus might be. They're doing the similar search that Mary and Joseph just did. They're looking in these buildings. Is there a child in here? What's going on? They're probably shouting in, hey, does anybody know of a baby who's just been born? Can't find. And then they wander in and they see there's a kid in that food trough. That's got to be it. It's not a normal thing at all. And they walk in and they are immediately pouring out everything they heard. They're so excited about it. And the scene probably would have looked like them walking in, immediately telling, you will never guess what we just saw. What we just witnessed, God spoke to us. He sent angels to us. And we want to tell you, you can hear all of these different shepherds speaking over each other, trying to tell different aspects and details of the story. You can see the people up in that loft space being so confused. And what, what is going on? This lady just had her child. And now this is, what is happening right now? There's chaos. There's a lot of craziness going on. But when the people understand it, in verse 18, it said, all who heard it wondered. They're all shocked. By this. But it's Mary's response that's particularly interesting. Because Mary, what, she's, what she does is she hears all this, she's taking it all in, and says that she treasured what she heard, and then she pondered what she heard. And that word treasured means to preserve from loss. She doesn't want to forget it. 
She doesn't want it to disappear. She treasures this moment and she doesn't want it to just fade away. So for Mary, she's trying to pay attention to everything, every little word said, every detail. But then at the same time, it says that she pondered what she heard. And that word means to wrestle with. So you can almost picture her having this like inner dialogue and dilemma of this is important. She knows better than anybody that this is a miracle. Obviously, this conception of Jesus couldn't have happened any other way. She knows how this has all been. She knows the message that has been told to her directly from an angel originally. She knows now what these shepherds have said. She understands that that's a big deal. She treasures that. But then she looks at her life. She looks at the way that Jesus was born, where he was born, and she's, this doesn't make any sense. She's struggling to believe it. She's struggling to understand it. There's this little battle going on inside of her. She knows that it's a miracle, but she ultimately has to trust that God's ways are higher than her ways. And that's where you find her as as these shepherds leave. Now, this is the part where I want to give you guys the three takeaways. I know we've blazed through this really quickly. I shared a whole bunch of information, but I want to give you guys three takeaways about what we learn about the wonder of the king from those things. Takeaway number one, actually, pause before we even do that. I want to give you guys the definition of wonder, okay? Because I want us to understand that, what it means to have wonder of the king. Wonder This is the definition, a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. That's what wonder is. So when we talk about having the wonder of the king, this is what we mean. So takeaway number one that we learned from all this stuff that we just heard is that the king is accessible. The king is accessible. So think about a king. In modern day terms, if you think of a king, any nation, anywhere in the world, you're going to imagine that king being walled off. He's got his palace. He's got his ornate, luxurious, comfortable living space. He's not interacting with all of the messiness of the peasants outside of his walls. That's a, that's a, a king in our world. But Jesus is a completely different kind of king. Jesus is accessible because the wonder that we get from him is in how he would engage with us as humans. The fact that the message of his birth would go to those shepherds first. One of the lowest set of people or people group in that society, people that weren't considered highly at all. That's who would receive the message first. That's who God said, I want them to know about me first. Because he wants to be accessible to the people. But he didn't just stop at his birth. The message of of Jesus, what we see in his life as we read the Gospels, is that Jesus walked with people. I think about the story of when the disciples are are interacting with Jesus and all these little kids want to come meet him. And they're like, no, you're too good for that, Jesus. You're a king. You shouldn't be interacting with them. And what does he say? Let the little children come to me. That's an accessible king. Then you think of some of the titles that Jesus was given. Friend of sinners. Because he regularly interacted with 
tax collectors who were not thought of highly at all, prostitutes, the sick, the people who are outcasts because of their diseases. That's who Jesus went to go be with in an accessible way. He set that example. The king's accessible. And he's still accessible now. Our king wants you to interact with him. He desires relationship with you. And he desires that through the Holy Spirit that he sent to us, for those who believe. We have access to him at any given moment, in any situation, regardless of what we understand or don't understand. Our king is accessible. And that's what, one of those things that we learn about him in this. The second takeaway that I got for you guys is that the king is humble. The king is humble. So this comes from that birth from him being born and put into that manger. And what I want us to understand about that is Jesus' birth being in that courtyard, in that dirty public space, not being considered worthy, that happened by choice, not by chance. He did that on purpose. The Bible tells us that Jesus existed before the earth even was. He's been around. He was with God, with the Father, in heaven, in perfect unity with the Father, in the paradise and perfection of heaven. And then he chose very specifically to be born as a vulnerable baby right then and there in that moment. It was intentional. That was, that was purposeful on his part. And his life began in the most humble means that you could possibly think of, next to a pen of livestock. And then he lived his life as a servant. When you look at the life that Jesus lived, constantly traveling town to town, sometimes sleeping with rocks as his pillow, walking, interacting with people, being rejected, but ultimately knowing that he is going there for the benefit of others, to share the truth and the love of, of him, of God, with them. That's why he was there. He set the example of being a servant all the way to the point of submitting to death on the cross. That's, that's what he did in service as well. Being willing to put himself in a situation where he would be crucified and tortured in one of the worst ways you could possibly imagine. And he would go through that in order for us to be saved. That's because he is a humble king. And our king asks that same thing of us that we would walk in humility, that we would mirror that, that we would live like him as well. That's what he calls us to. And then here's our third and final takeaway. It's the king is treasured. This comes from that last moment that we talked about with Mary. So Mary experiences this crazy moment. She's wrestling with it all. But ultimately she understands that she can hold tight to Jesus in the truth of what she's been told. What she, she knows is to be true about God. Even though nothing makes sense, even though things didn't line up, even though literally everything that had taken place seemed completely contradictory to what you would imagine the birth of a king to look like, she can set all that aside and say, no, Jesus is to be treasured. He's worthy. Even though I don't understand his ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I don't get it, but I can trust him and I can still honor him. That's what she does. That's what Mary does. 
because the king is to be treasured. And the way that we close this was that the shepherds shared all this with Mary, all this, this crazy moments all take place. And then the shepherds leave and it says that they, they go away from there glorifying and praising God. And I think that's super cool because that's how this started. That's what the angels were doing first. The angels delivered the message. This is who Jesus is. Can you believe this? Then the angels glorified and praised God. And then now you see that becoming the responsibility of man. Now these shepherds walk away being the deliverers of this news. Now the shepherds walk away being the ones who are glorifying and praising God. And I love that because that is what our job is. As we step into this final week leading up to Christmas, we've got one more week. We we can technically do it always, but this is our one more set apart week where we say, this is the time that I want to glorify and honor Jesus for his birth and all that it means for my life. This is a moment for us to take in all this stuff that we've heard and not just fall into the same traditions, not just walk through Christmas and forget about it and be like, yep, birth of Jesus is very cool. I celebrate it. But to actually think about it, to really take it in, be filled with the wonder of the King. And that's what I want to encourage you guys with today. I hope that as we read through that, some of that maybe re-illuminated this story for you guys. It's not just a story, but it's reality. It's truth. I hope that it's come to life in a little bit deeper of a way. And I hope that all of us can walk into this Christmas celebrating our, our King a little bit more. Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.